Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, www.eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. A gift of $25 a month gets the gospel to 10000 in a year, just three cents a soul. Go to EternityNow.com and click Support Us for more. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. Well, Chapman University annually does a survey of Americans' top fears. This latest one shows a shift away from climate change, pollution, fear of not having enough money in the future. Americans are now concerned most about corrupt government officials. That's 80% of people. 58% are most concerned about a loved one getting COVID-19. Widespread civil unrest is deemed by people 57% of the time as a fear or worry. And economic or financial collapse of the country, 55%. These indeed are problems for our nation. But as we near the end, the Bible says that we who follow Jesus Christ need not fear these but rely on a unique provision of the Lord to get us through. My message today is, Fear not, God has love, power, and sound mind. From 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 to 18. Father God, I thank you much for the chance to be able to preach your word, even yet, here in these last days, out of Nebraska to the world. Lord God, I pray that each person who hears this, whether in the room or across the world, will be touched by the Spirit of God, will be drawn to salvation, setting apart in sanctification, and filling of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of ministry. Thank you, God, for this time. Use me in your service today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, perilous times are upon us, my friend, as Paul prophesied a little bit later in this epistle, 2 Timothy 3, verses 2 to 5. He predicted that people will be lovers of themselves. By the way, that's literally self-care. How many times have we heard about people saying, be good to myself, etc., take care of myself these days? Also, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power. A rather negative list, isn't that? But it's absolutely spot on, even for some who claim to be part of the church. However, the Lord has sent his Holy Spirit ahead of us so that we can prosper in him till he takes us to be with him, either by death or getting more likely every day by a rapture. Paul writes these letters, Timothy, a youthful protege. The apostle planted that church at Ephesus. Then he turned it over to Timothy, who later turned it over to the apostle John. The Ephesians were pagans whose main god was Diana and in Greek Artemis, devoted to hunting, and the people hunted Christians as well as wild beasts. Still, in spite of intense spiritual warfare, Paul was able to bring together a multicultural group of genuine believers in a diverse church. 
Timothy had a Greek father and a Jewish mother. Paul led him to Christ and then trained him in this faith, this continuation, this progression, this new covenant in Judaism. Timothy was a faithful but sometimes worried young man, oh, maybe 25 or 30 as compared with Paul's 50 or 55. And Paul refers to him as a spiritual son now and then in the New Testament. He gave him advice quite a bit and also prayed for him a lot, and it worked. Because history tells us, not necessarily the Bible, but history tells us that Timothy died a martyr's death in service to the Lord. We can take heart in what Paul said once for all, not only to Timothy, but to us through the ministry of the Holy Ghost, preserving forever what we need to know. There is no verse that is without kind of meaning for us, even today. Even if we go back to the Old Testament, these verses in the law reveal aspects of God's character. So there is no part of the Bible that is without meaning and understanding and help for the believer. All is good for reproof, doctrine, teaching, and living in righteousness, as 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 says. So we go to 2 Timothy 1, verses 3 to 5. It reads, I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So Paul begins this letter by affirming the essentials with Timothy and also Timothy as a believer. He tells him he's following in the footsteps of his family members in salvation. And by the way, people in that age, if their mother was Jewish, they were considered Jewish. If the father only was Jewish, they were not fully Jewish. Paul says that Timothy's faith is true, is real, is genuine. The word literally in Greek is unhypocritical. That's straightforward. The apostle adds that this is the correct way to love God as he has a pure conscience moving from Judaism to Christianity. Paul also tells Timothy he's praying for him because it's important the young man continues in the faith all the way to the end. As I've often said, it's not how you started, it's how you finish that really matters. A lot of us have had trials and troubles even after getting saved, but we're coming down to the end. We can have peace. We can have a ministry, we can have hope because the greatest hope that ever was, that of eternity with God, that of heaven, is just about within reach. Only a call up from Jesus Christ away. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy obviously is nervous. Maybe he's second-guessing having taken the pastorate from Paul. <laughs> Given the kinds of warfare that Paul and the church had been under, that certainly could be understandable. The New Testament often talks of the laying on of hands accompanying someone being named to a leadership position. Paul says, stir up that gift. Remember that confidence we've had in you, and we only did it because God said to do it. He laid his hands on Timothy, that spiritual son. He would not have done that 
if he didn't have confidence from the Lord that that young man would be able to make it. And so we sometimes have trouble for ourselves. Sometimes we stumble and fall. Sometimes we're not as great on the Lord's day as we might like. Sometimes also in our home life or in our work life, we're not perfect either. Well, the reaction to that should not be to just throw it away and go the world's direction. No, indeed, it should be to double down with the Lord. To say, I've made a mistake, forgive me, O Lord, and I'm going to go on with you. And you know what? The Lord will give you the power to be able to do it. Praise God. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. One of my favorite verses in all the scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Greek word for fear here is dylea, which means cowardice or timidity, the result of dwelling in fearfulness. Boy, don't we have a lot of this in the world now. People have been so set against each other, divided by pandemic and politics and all of the rest, racial tension, so many. These all being foretold, by the way, in Matthew 24, and Jesus' all of the discourse in other places in the Bible, too. We have seen it in the church as well, as people fall away, and that great falling away that is going to precede the tribulation, as we learn from Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2. People once were proclaiming the way of salvation as it's written, but now you're saying it's good enough to just be a nice person, just to try to think good thoughts to other people. Have you ever seen that? Maybe on social media, send good thoughts to them. How do you send good thoughts to somebody? Do you really believe in telepathy? The only way to really do that is prayer, and God will give them good thoughts because of us asking him who are of him. In the world, movie stars are apologizing all the time to LGBT folks if they have any kind of a problem with what somebody has said or what they think the person has said. Our Secretary of State even tells Congress, oh, be careful what you say. We don't want to tick off communist China. <laughs> the LGBT community flouts God, and communist China murders Christians and anybody else who dares to oppose their despotic ways. Don't seek to please unreasonable people. Seek to please the Lord. <laughs> You'll be amazed at what happens if you are determined to please the Lord and everything else is second. You'll find that a lot of that opposition falls down and is put out of the way by the Holy Spirit. Instead, you can walk in God's love, power, and sound mind. Looking into the meaning of those particular words, here's what I found. Love is the Lord's affection, esteem, and honesty toward us, which is how we are supposed to treat others as well. We serve God and men best when we say what is wrong, explain how the Lord has said to correct it, and do it as in others' best interest, whether or not they particularly like it. Not everybody needs to be happy all the time. Sometimes you've got problems in your life you need to take care of. And so I always thank people. If they bring something to my attention, that's legitimate. And I do that myself. It's not my job to try to have everybody just think that I'm great all the time. If so, I'm not doing my job in the Lord. I'm not fulfilling my calling. Sometimes I'll be able to encourage people, and I do, and I take pleasure in being able to do that. There are so many things that the saints of God do 
that people don't know about. People don't notice. But the Lord often puts me into a church in a position where I see those people coming and going and doing those kinds of good deeds for the good of all and then also reaching out to others in evangelism. Power is literally dunamis. This word is used 120 times in the New Testament. It's for the ability to work miracles. And this is the word from which dynamite comes. Uh, that kind of overwhelming strength and power. Those who are born again have the Holy Spirit who perform mighty works in Jesus' ministry. And what did our Lord say in John 14, 12? Greater works shall ye do than these, because I go to my Father. Then he sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to us, also the source of power from God. When we're faithful to God and we do as he says, then he will provide the power to bring his promises to pass. That word is not going to return void, but it is going to accomplish what he has sent it for. The word works. It is not with error. It has been divinely preserved through hundreds and hundreds of years in a way that no ancient book has. And then we have sound mind. This is literally sensible behavior appropriate to the situation. We cannot use the devil's devices of lying and cheating and stealing and setting people against each other, causing division, and pretend that we're trying to do God's will. That belies and betrays our heart. It's not with God, even if we try to dress it up, to baptize it and put a cross on it. <laughs> no, we need to do what the Lord says and do it his way. He gives us logical, wise, righteous counsel in Scripture and even situations not specifically discussed in the Bible. When I have a particularly tough question and it's just, it seems like it's 50-50, either way, I'll ask the Lord to make things clear and he leads me by his peace. He, he can do the same thing for you. He says in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God, referee, umpire, uh, be able to make those calls for you in your heart. So pray that scripture. Lord, let me have the peace of God. Give me wisdom in this situation and he shall surely do it. The world now has an unsound and unwise mind. Drag queens do story time with little children of five or six, leaving our border unprotected in a day of terrorism and war and cutting off our ability to be able to find and supply more gas, even as prices continue to rise to the greatest amount in all of history, even accounting for inflation over time. So how is having love, power, and sound mind our secret weapon in the Lord Jesus? Well, first of all, God is in control. In fact, we can see that even today. It seems like so much crazy is happening, but so many of these different events are fulfillments of what God already told us in the Bible, in Revelation. Virtually every day I see something in the news that is along the lines of what the Lord said would happen in the last days. The shortage of wheat that we have, for example, that was foretold in Revelation 6.6. When we do as he says, he sends the power, and we're able to have breakthrough because then he gets the glory for it. Then people are directed to God and not just to us as strong people or we're good people. No, nobody is good but God, 
Even Jesus Christ says, reflecting glory and honor unto his Father. When the world does things its way, God curses it. It may seem like it does well for a moment in time, but soon enough, like all sin, it yields forth death. Second, love cannot fail. As 1 Corinthians 13, 8 tells us, it'll bring us to heaven too. However, that which functions by hate is headed for hell with no stops. <laughs> and third, thinking with logic given by God beats acting in irrationality according to the world. People and countries are clearly going after their own destruction and trying to please people, groups, even other countries, and not God. When a confused person says he's a woman, simply by thinking so, and others confirm it to him, they help the confused person condemn himself as well as society. People who are doing this are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. If we can keep our mind while everyone else around us loses theirs, we will have a distinct advantage over those who do not know Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 and 9 say, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. <laughs> oh, I love how Paul can draw these word pictures for us. He was a mighty man with the pen, and he was also a mighty man in going and establishing the first churches in Europe, the first churches in Asia, of all the many thousands through the years. An incredible, incredible man. Because we have an advantage over the world doesn't mean we're going to escape all suffering and difficulty. In fact, I can testify, which I can say I've had more suffering and difficulty, but also real peace and real love. And I've got a real hope of heaven in Jesus Christ. I've been declaring the gospel boldly for 30 years and to millions of people. I know that I've lost money and position friends, and family due to that. Would I like to have been spared all that difficulty? Oh, sure, that would have been wonderful. But more important to me is living out my calling to glorify God as a Christian and to preach and teach his word without apology, just as he had it written by the Holy Spirit working through men. You see, God already is separating the sheep and the goats, the wheat from the tares. This is one way. I know that it is very, very late in the time of grace and mercy, and we are about to have the rapture and then immediately after the tribulation. We see the world and the worldly church going toward death and true Christians moving steadily toward the Lord. Do you know what trials and tribulation do to you? They make you figure out the basic beliefs that you have. You're going to cast to the side those things that are not essential. And if you're really after God's heart, you are going to emerge leaner, cleaner, and with more power from the Holy Ghost. I've had that innumerable trials through my life in Christ. And yet, going through those trials, emerge closer to God and more after his heart. It's not my work. It is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy 1, 10 and 11. 
but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Whatever gifts the Lord has given you, keep exercising them to the day of Christ Jesus, death or rapture. He said, occupy till I come in Luke 19, 13. Some days, all we can do is hold back the pagans, is to hold back that evil society. But many days, we can take ground from it. We can take souls from it. We can have a testimony of Jesus Christ. If only we will have that love, power, and sound mind and focus on serving the Lord God Jehovah. Don't hold up all around, all alone, my friend, and let those gifts gather dust. It seems like the average American spends most of his time hibernating these days. But friends, we got to get out of our little lair and be able to go and talk to some folks about that hope that lies within us in Jesus Christ. We believers are not called to solitude, but to seek the lost. And do you know what happens when you get your eyes off yourself for a while? You begin to feel better. That's because you're in the spirit of God trying to assist someone with their troubles, to make their life a little bit easier and better. And do you know what happens? You get blessed and your life gets easier and better exponentially. You see, God is taking care of us who are born again. That way we can take care of others and not worry about ourselves. We can just keep pressing on with the Lord and reach higher and higher heights in him. And don't let how somebody offended you in the church stop you in your ministry or in your coming to worship. I've seen bunches of people who have done this. And what they've done is let that person who offended them have power over their relationship with God. Are you going to let somebody you don't like or respect get between you and the Lord? That silliness is what that is. That's unwise, my friend. If you have to go somewhere else, then go somewhere else to church, but keep serving the Lord God Jehovah. And you know what? The first thing you want to do is try to work out the problems with that other person in the church. God has you there for a reason. Matthew 18, 15 to 17 is rarely followed, but is extraordinarily important instruction from our Lord Jesus himself. He said, if you've got a problem against the with another person, if that person has sinned against you, you believe, then go directly to that person alone. And State your case. And if the person agrees with you, you can leave it done right there. You've gained your brother. If the person will not, then you can bring a couple of more with you. Talk to that person again. Those people are going to be witnesses as to what's going on. And then if it's serious enough, it's sinful enough, it goes before the church, the person may be taken out of the church for a while. Paul did this so that they would be convicted. What they did was very wrong, and they need to get it right, and they need to press into God to do it. Praise God. Dust off your feet <laughs> for those folks who are bad to you, who are evil to you, who have done you wrong. And keep going forward in the newness of life that is in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him, until that judgment day. We Christians cannot let what the world may do to us be more important than what God has already commanded us. The Lord Jesus himself said in Matthew 
to whomever has, more shall be given. If the person has the Lord's spirit and he is serving and living by it, he will have more and more of the blessing of God. God will continue to fill and fill and fill once again him as he depletes that in service to others and your capacity to be able to have the Holy Spirit and function in him will increase as well. Jesus continues, but whomever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So if somebody values going in the world's direction, being popular, having a bunch of money, having power and control more than doing God's will, not only will all that power and control and such be taken away from the person, but also eternal life is going to be an impossibility. All of us live forever, by the way. It just depends where. There are only two places, my friend. Heaven above and hell below. There is a huge gulf fixed between them that no one can cross. No one can cross it between one and the other. So make your decision for Jesus today. Now we go to verses 13 and 14. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. And faith and love which are in Jesus Christ. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Going with what's popular, what's new, what's unusual, is extraordinarily overrated these days. Far better most of the time is to stay consistent. Be a person of integrity. Be dependable. How many folks do you know? are undependable these days. They say they'll do something. You have no idea if they'll actually do it or not. That should never be said of a believer in Jesus Christ. Our word is our bond. It doesn't matter if you signed a contract. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. If you guys shook on it, then it needs to be done, right? We who follow Christ know what the Bible says. We don't need new revelations. We don't need a different Jesus or an abandoning of what the Word of God has already made plain to us. The narrow path that leads to life may not be flashy, but it sure is straight. We just have to keep following Jesus Christ as he said in the Bible, keep praying to him, keep reading the Word, keep ministering to others, and we are going to walk right into heaven one day. But the wide path looks good from the map. (laughs) However, when you are going across the gullies and the ravines and the bridges are out ahead, It doesn't seem like a very pleasant journey at all, does it? It leads us to hell with the devil forever. And our last part of the scripture today, 2 Timothy 1, verses 15 to 18. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Fugulos and Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Anasiphorus, For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that judgment day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Paul says you can't tell how well you're doing now by how many folks are with you. (laughs) In fact, remember, he had thousands with him after giving that feeding of the 5,000, probably more like fifteen or 20,000 when we think about the women and the children who likely were there. The 5,000 was specifically referring to the men, the Bible says. 
The next day, those thousands tracked him down across the lake. And do you know what he said? He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And every single one of those people turned around, disgusted. Only the 12 stayed in one of them a devil, as Jesus Christ himself said, that being Judas who betrayed him. Yes, I have had friends and church members desert me. I have had people who profess to be born again Christians do much evil unto me. But there are also those who have listened to that gospel as I've been preaching, who have given their lives to Jesus Christ, who have been called to ministry and are lovers of the Lord's appearing. They'll be going up with him at that trumpet call. Remember that Rome had millions of people. It was the most powerful kingdom in all of the world. And Jesus Christ had just 11 faithful disciples. But then, just a few generations later, Rome became Christian. And Jesus Christ has the number one religion as far as number of followers all across the world today. And it's been that way for some time. Islam is coming up on the outside, but 2.2 billion people, a verse 8 billion, about 28%, say that they are Christian. And think about all of the millions and billions throughout all of the ages, the last 1950 years or so. Absolutely incredible. It is God. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that has done this. Man's glory fades, but God's glows ever brighter to shine forever with no shadow at all for the length of eternity, which never ends. We have five takeaways today. Number one, we are in perilous times. Literally, by the way, that word perilous means fierce. Boy, boy howdy, isn't it fierce out there today? We are in perilous times, but forsaking God is far more dangerous than anything the world can do to us. We are in perilous times. But forsaking God is far more dangerous than anything the world can do to us. Matthew 16, 26, Jesus says, What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You remember that book, The Picture of Dorian Gray? I read that when I was in high school. This was a handsome young man. Well-heeled and intelligent. And there was a picture that was made of him as a youngster. But then he got into all kinds of sexual uh, immorality. He treated people poorly. He was evil and spoke badly of other folks without them being around and with them being around. And he continued to have that youthful appearance outside. But the picture became darker and darker and more ugly until it resembled the devil. And you see, the same thing happens to us. Sometimes the devil's bad mileage in our lives, the bumps, the gullies and the ravines, the bridges out, they take a toll on us physically and our looks. However, it's impossible really to know if a person is with God or not just by looking at them. You have to be in their presence. You have to see what fruit they have. You have to see if these are people of the Spirit of God or not. And so... God is giving us discernment in this age as we meet up with people. This is part of this weed and tares being separated even yet today. When I have a doubt about someone, I know God's going to make it clear and in time. 
Number two, if a fellow believer is struggling, then encourage him to go back to the faith that sustained him until now. Number two, if a fellow believer is struggling, then encourage him to go back to the faith that has sustained him until now. Challenge that person to get in the word of God. Some people may say, well, reading isn't all that exciting. I don't like to read. It's not just like ordinary reading. You see, this was written by the Holy Spirit of God motivating men who were devoted to him. We know this from the epistles of Peter. And so that word that is written, this logos, something written or said in the Greek language, which the Bible is written in the New Testament, it becomes rhema, that being a word that has the energy of God, a concept, an illustration, and an application in which you will receive the Spirit of the Lord. And as you read it, God brings to mind the different problems you have, uh, the rewards that you would be able to take. It's really a dynamic kind of experience. Also, get active in church. I know what a lot of young people say today. I see this on social media, very, very active. In that. And by the way, if you go to our website, eternitynow.com, there is a page for social media. It's called Multimedia. And you can see how to follow us, you'll see the videos and all the rest of these, uh, Twitter and Facebook and all the rest as you're there. But young people will say, oh, I was excited about going to a party or I was excited about going to that event. Then the time came and I was so tired. I've had the same thing myself. But you know what I have to do is I have to press through. Because the enemy wants to isolate me. And he wants to isolate those youngsters too. This is the least Christian generation in the history of America. Because they are obsessed by their phones. And they know little about how to interact with people. As a rule. There are some exceptions. But not too many my friends. When you've got a generation in which two thirds of them think it's okay to lie. You've got a real, real, real big problem. And the, the majority of the people. In that generation, 26 and younger, are not in church and haven't had any kind of instruction in faith whatsoever, let alone the Christianity that we believe in, Islam or anything else. I'll tell you, if I didn't have the Lord Jesus, I would have some problems with hope myself. This is what's going on with the suicides today. This is what's going on with the mass shootings from these young kids, 18 years old. They have no hope. Well, friends, we see the world is wrapping up pretty fast. It's getting ugly really, really quickly. That's why we've got to look up and say our redemption draws nigh, Luke 21, 28, at this very moment. He's about to call us. The trumpets are getting ready to sound. Don't forsake the Lord for anything. Press in and you will inherit all things. Number three, don't follow spiritual fads, new revelations, or desires just to please the world. Don't follow spiritual fads, new revelations, or desires just to please the world. God and his word don't change for anyone, any time, any place. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And do you know that we have as much power as the apostles did? He says that we don't believe that it's really there. We don't think we can have that today. Well, you know what? Jesus Christ hasn't failed for lack of fulfilling his, his word. Christians have failed for the lack of taking Jesus Christ and his word. We need to possess that land through prayer, through coming together in unity, and proclaiming, thus saith the Lord God of hosts. Number four, 
as the world's hearts begin to fail them for fear, we Christians have a decided advantage, love, power, and a sound mind. As the world's hearts begin to fail them for fear, we Christians have a decided advantage, love, power, and sound mind in the Lord. If you feel nervous or fearful, and it's all right to feel something, feelings often betray us. These feelings are not accurate, but they are real. What we can do is pray the scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7. I pray it myself when I feel some kind of evil spirit trying to move on me. And my friends, even if you're a Christian, if you are sensitive spiritually, you will begin to sense as you get up in the morning some of this confusion, some of this darkness, some of this difficulty. But cast it off you by saying something like, Lord God, let me not have a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of sound mind. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. And it is your possession, my friend. It is your possession. Number five, be faithful to the end. Do not forsake Christ and lose your crown of life. Number five, be faithful to the end. Do not forsake Christ and lose your crown of life. We are in the time of his return. My friend, all of the signs given in the Olivet Discourse are presently being fulfilled. Nothing else has to happen before the rapture, and that signals the beginning of the seven years of the most horrid times the world has ever seen, according to the Bible, Jesus Christ himself. It could be just seconds away. How would you like to have forsaken God just moments before he sounded the trumpet and said, come up here. They'll be in hell with no hope of being able to escape. It's locked from the outside. You're going to be there forever with all of the worst of all time and with the devil himself and all of those demons and imps. I cannot think of a worse end of man. Or you can be faithful and you can inherit not only heaven, but you'll be able to come back to a reformatted sinless earth like it was supposed to be in the beginning. And not just for a day, not just for an hour, but for a millennium. Yes, that's right. One thousand years. And we get to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. We're under him, of course. He's going to rule from Jerusalem, the city of David. But it's going to be a fantastic time, my friend. Nobody's going to be undercutting you. Nobody's going to be undermining you. Nobody's going to be lying and slandering about you. They're all going to be gone to hell, my friend. It's a wonderful thing. To know the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, you need to know him, however. These promises are only to those who believe and follow him. And you see, if you have just faith, but you have not any works, you're not actually trying to follow the Lord in your life, then you come up short of what true faith actually is. You see, you don't just hear a word, you have to act upon it. In the Bible, in Greek, that word, your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by physical hearing, but hearing as far as obedience is by the word of God and the spirit who wrote it. Four things that we need to do to be saved. We need to repent, to turn away from our sins and ask God's forgiveness. I do that and I do that after having been saved 28 years. I don't want any distance to be between the Lord God Jehovah and me. We are all married to the Lord, no matter whether we're male or female or we have another partner. When you are a born-again Christian, Jesus Christ 
is your mate. Secondly, we need to confess faith in our Lord Jesus. He was the only one who could make the law of Moses' hundreds of rules go away, be fulfilled completely so that it could come to pass, and we could then have the New Testament by faith and following Jesus Christ. So confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, not only with your lips, but with your life. Believe that Jesus Christ rose in body as well as in spirit the third day in the tomb. The scriptures clearly say it. Jesus proclaimed it. And it's also what we depend upon to have our body and spirit renewed in Jesus Christ. And then we need to follow our Lord as Lord and Savior, our Master. You don't argue back to what masters ask you. Uh, you, you don't call into question what the Savior who got your life out of the fiery the fires of hell has done. No, you just follow them. And you do it imperfectly. Every single one of us has, except for Jesus Christ himself, the one without sin that we killed for it. But he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we come to him. He'll give us power to be able to defeat the death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to say a prayer here that you'll be able to repeat after me. If you believe what I'm saying, encapsulating these four points, and you say them with me, well, then you'll open your heart to the Lord God. And if you just keep seeking him, remaining in him, abiding in him, you are going to have heaven as your present possession one day. Father God, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe he rose from the tomb in body and spirit that third day. I will follow him as Lord and Savior, repenting should I fall. Come into my heart, Lord God, and save me. In Jesus' name. Amen. So be it. And it is. And if you prayed it at home, too, by yourself or with someone else, it counts just as much for you virtually as here physically. Praise God. And then what do you do? Well, get baptized in water. Be immersed. We'll do that for you. Just come on over and we will make a way to get that done. The Lord said that we need to do that as a public profession of faith once we're saved. Then we need to read the Bible, possess that land. How do you know what's God and what's not? Well, by reading the Bible and by doing as it says. There are 7,500 promises to you, almost one for every hour of the year. I said that right, hour in the year, not day. Praying, we pray to possess that. People seem to think that this Christian life is by willpower. It is by anything but. It is by his power is what it is, God's power. Oftentimes, I'll fight something, the tendency that's wrong in me, and I maybe make a little progress. Then I have a real rollback, and I say, Lord God, I'm not going to be able to do this unless you empower me. And that's what it happens. He gets all the glory that way. People don't just say, oh, you know, you're just strong. You're determined. You're wonderful and great. No, no, no. You see, he's strong. He's determined. He's wonderful and great. <laughs> that's the idea. Come to church. Be with the people of God. I'll tell you, I just feel better having talked with or been with 
somebody who's a born-again Christian. It's exchange, it's communication, it's life, living life together. And one of the reasons that people are despairing so is because we have been so isolated from each other for so long now. We are not meant to be alone. We are meant to be in community. Whether we're single or married doesn't matter. We can be in community. We can have healthy relationships. We can be all, even if we don't have someone to whom we are married. Fellowship with other believers. Spend some time with them. Let's Having coffee with the fellow who's been coming just this week. Had a good talk about things going on in his life, my life. Knew how to pray for him, and the rest. That's what this Christian life is all about. You don't have to be a pastor or have a reverend or anything else to be able to do that. You can just do that as a believer to another believer or to a non-believer. You may become a believer because you took the time for that. And then pursue personal relationship with God. He doesn't know you as a number. He knows you as an individual whose soul he created and the pattern of which even physically he put into motion. And so he wants you to know him with that great intimacy as well. And we can know him better and better every day by the ministry of the Holy Ghost and yielding to God and asking God, help me to know you better. Help me to follow you more precisely. Help me to love you more. These are the kinds of prayers that God loves to answer. He wants you to know him better than you even know yourself. <laughs> he knows you better than you know yourself, too. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this program. For more, including links to all our broadcasts and social media, go to www.eternitynow.com E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M we have over a hundred videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's EternityNow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. I'm gonna